Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jason Tipton. Jason is an assistant golf professional at a local Milwaukee country club. Jason's real passion is in golf instruction and trying to help a wide array of golfers. From new players to seasoned veterans to other golf professionals, Jason tries to use his experience and golf philosophy to help them reach their goals and full potential in golf. Jason, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on today. Yeah, uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun. So I always like to start this podcast out by asking a little bit more about how you got into golf and um, particularly for you found a passion in golf instruction. Yeah, so I actually uh, grew up playing baseball. So I, I really wasn't uh, that into golf until like high school. Um, my grandparents were huge golfers and, uh, and every year we got to go play like at least one round with them at this uh, place in Illinois my grandpa worked as a as a ranger right after he retired and nice. uh, we just knew like this was the day like we were jacked for it right like we cleaned all our golf balls and the whole deal and like <laughs> that was it like that was a that was an event right and uh but besides that it was all baseball so um once we got to once I got to high school um tried out for the golf team just because I played a little bit um and just really kind of fell in love with it. Um, you know, I started to kind of lose in baseball a little bit, but I started to get pretty pretty good in golf. And, yeah. you know, it's like something I knew I could do uh, for a really long time. So out of uh, out of high school, I went to uh, this place called the Professional Golfers Career College in Orlando. Um, and it was pretty much there. I was like, I knew I wanted to teach. Uh, we did like free lessons for uh, some of the community and it was just so much fun. And uh, you know, having someone just hit a ball really good, you know, for the first time was like, yeah, this is it. So ever since then, it was pretty much, I knew I was going to be a teacher. I just didn't know really how to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's great. So, um, that kind of leads me into my next question perfectly of, um, I know you have a, a philosophy about how you teach and I know that it's been influenced by some of the you know best teachers around the country and you spent time shadowing them. Yeah. So, could you elaborate a little bit on your philosophy um, when you work with a student and then kind of where you've picked some of it up? Yeah, for sure. So um, I would say I've never really come up with anything, like everything <laughs> that I uh, teach and, you know, I've learned. I mean, obviously it's been from other people, right? So I'm a big believer, you know, in the bioswing dynamics with Mike Adams. I've seen him multiple times um just in seminars and whatnot and you know i've seen guys like martin chuck down at uh, the raven the tour instructor school and you know i was lucky enough to go out and see uh kevin sprecker at sleepy hollow and jason carbone at ball straw so all these guys that are just really successful in what they do and you know you kind of draw some parallels for what they teach and you know what you've seen work um so yeah when i get a, a new player um 
you know, I kind of tap into some of the processes I've seen those guys take, right? So I always kind of screen them a little bit and see how their body's working, uh, you know, Mike Adams stuff and some TPI stuff, and just to kind of get a blueprint of what I think this one's going to kind of look like. And, you know, then I just watch them hit some balls, uh, maybe hit some different clubs. If they're brand new to me, but they've played a long time, I'll say, okay, let's hit some wedges, some mid, long irons, driver, let's see kind of where your deficiencies are in your game. Um, and from there, you can kind of draw a little bit of a roadmap. Um, you know, I think that it's hard to, uh, you know, just focus in on, on one part of the game and, and just automatically, you know, shoot lower scores and kind of have to see the, the student from, you know, 10,000 feet and, and really see where they where they need the most help because the point of the game is, right, to get the ball in the hole and yeah. amount of shots, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much all I do when I, I get the student. Yeah, yeah, you don't play you don't play golf swing you play golf <laughs> yeah. exactly there's been plenty of ugly looking swings making a lot of money on the pj tour so yeah obviously they they do something right yeah and i think i think you said something interesting i mean i can every time i've talked to a golf professional it's it's funny how much our fields are different but certain things uh, really relate to them and i'm the same way it's like i don't do anything unique from a physical therapy or a strength conditioning standpoint it's all stuff that i've learned from other people and things like that but um, it's still how you put those things together. And then I think for you and I, ultimately, it's like, how can you communicate that to the student? Like you could have all the information in the world, but if you can't make it relevant, make them understand it, then it's, it's sort of meaningless. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I want to go into, um, specifics a little bit. So you kind of mentioned you do a physical assessment, but I've I've heard you reference it into in terms of players that you uh, have worked with. But I know you have like a kind of a golf test with sort of a, a score. Um, what's involved with that, and then how does that influence your plan with a with a player? Yeah, yeah. So, so the the tests I I do. You're talking about the the physical screening stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that is uh, very kind of bioswing dynamics based, right? And uh, all it is is trying to figure out what your body naturally wants to do. You know, for example, we just have the player get in their stance and, and clap their hands together and make a backswing and kind of where that right arm or right hand is positioned about halfway back after the right arm folds is probably where they need to have that on the golf club, right? So if you have, you know, call it a, uh, a test that the hand is kind of, the right hand's more on top of your left, right? yeah. and you position your right hand really far underneath the club, then you are automatically doing what your body kind of doesn't want you to do in that sense, You're right? Fighting yourself. Exactly. So it makes it a lot harder to kind of control the face and, and hit consistent shots. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, the points part of it um, is kind of determining if you're going to be kind of a – a glider or a rotational guy or kind of a vertical guy, and that's kind of re, um, referring to uh, ground reaction forces. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, every every player is going to be a little bit unique. Um, not everyone's going to be kind of cookie-cutter. Like, even if they test a certain way, they, they might not really pick up what you're saying and, you know, may have to change it up a little bit. But for the most part, it, it, it's pretty consistent. Yeah. 
I think it's it's awesome to have uh, you know just a philosophy and like a framework that at least is a starting spot. It's like yeah. um, you know one of my favorite quotes is like all all models are wrong, but some are useful. Where right. you know it's it's still imperfect, and human beings are complex, and the golf swing is complex. Uh, but if you don't have somewhere to start and a framework to work around, then you're just kind of grasping at straws. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I'm always curious in talking to teaching pros is um, for a player that's really looking to improve, how what goes into that in terms of like how frequently do you like to see people for lessons? Um, how much time should they spend practicing versus how much time should they just go have fun playing golf and, and um, you know, enjoying enjoying the game? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and obviously, just like everything else in golf instruction, it depends. Yeah. Right, is the answer. Um, for some people, uh, you know, they they need to be there every week, and it's not even a thing to where they need to be taught something new every week. It may just be, you know, maybe an hour of kind of a deep dive into what they need to work on, and then the next week it's a half hour on just kind of refining it and just making sure they're on the right track. Right. I I generally like people to at least go out and hit balls and maybe play once before they come back for a lesson just so I can get some feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I send them out and they come back and haven't done anything since their last lesson, then I don't really know how it went. Now we may have to do the same lesson over again. Right. right? So, yeah, the, you know, for to making those swing improvements, it takes time. It takes a lot of patience because – you may or may not hit it great when you first do it, but you know you're either going to improve kind of physically or conceptually. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. It, something that having taken golf lessons myself, sometimes I've always feel like I've had the best success with with that. Sometimes I've worked with pros, it's like I'm there, so they feel like they have to tweak something. And sometimes, like I feel like I just need you to make sure I'm doing the, the thing that you told me uh, right. I was, I needed to do last time and not like change something every single week. Right. Uh, yeah. That took me a long time to like grasp though, yeah. because of, of that, like you feel like, Oh, you know, they're coming back. Like they need something new. It's like, well, maybe not. Maybe they, even if it's just kind of rephrasing what you worked on last week, right. it could go a long way just to hear, you know, a different way. Or maybe they, it's just like, Hey, am I doing this? Okay, then, yeah, then we just kind of check it out, look at some video, and, and go from there. Yeah, and I've even heard of, of a couple guys, I don't know that I've talked to anyone around Milwaukee doing it yet, but um, a couple guys at other places around the country that are doing almost like one-on-one lessons, and then the next week, like, they're calling it like supervised practice, where they have like, you know, four people that took a lesson last week, come back, and they're on the, out on the range, they're kind of spending an hour, but they're not like all over one person just like are you yeah. doing what we worked on getting some feedback so i think it's it's interesting yeah for sure um okay let's talk about some um kind of common things that you see with amateur golfers what's what's like a, a major error or a very common swing change that you'll make with um with an amateur player um yeah i, I think the the biggest change i'll make is the grip Um, You know, I was taught, uh, you know, in college that, you know, if you can avoid changing the grip, then kind of avoid it because it's going to feel really weird and it's going to be 
hard for the player to really take, you know, grasp, right? Um, but as yeah, no I've, pun intended. You're right, exactly. <laughs> um, but as I've kind of gotten into it, um, you know, that's one of the first things I'm looking at. And it's just because, you know, we don't get to hold the club with anything else. So that's our only physical connection to the golf club. So in mm-hmm. my eyes, like, it, it better be right, you know, for you. It may be different for, you know, me and, than you, you know. But, you know, it, it's, it has to be functional. Yeah. Um, so I'll do that a lot. Um, you know, the over the top thing, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely there, mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Um, but I think some setup changes can also fix that. So really a lot of what I work out with players is, is before they even swim the golf club. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that, um, we've noticed using like the, the K vest um, to assess players, both for baseball and and or golf, that um, a lot of times the players that have had the most success, it's been like because they get the information about like, okay, yes, this is the outcome, but can we go as far back as possible and try to change something? Because the earlier, you know, impacts very complicated and happens at you know a thousand degrees per second or whatever it is. Right. But, set up you have as you have as long as you want and you can get into those positions so um i think that's that's something that we've seen um players have success with yeah um do you have a particular shot that you think all players should learn how to hit or be able to hit um for scoring in a in a golf round um as far as shape no um but as far as flight i think everyone should be able to kind of hit a low to medium Pipe wedge. Um, I just think that's the easiest to control. Uh, a lot of amateur players are going to have the 30, 40, 50 yard shots, you know, in the green. So, you know, if you can, you know, really learn that low kind of spinning shot, you can learn how to control the distance. I think that would knock off two, three shots around, maybe for some. Okay. That's, uh, that's good. It's, I think I. I think I heard that from a golf commentator too. That like the best players in the world are like they can hit wedges low and long irons high. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Like especially like on PJ Tour, like those guys are just crazy good. I mean, they can control the distance, control the spin. Right. It's it's not really always a chipping contest out there. Yeah. You know, for those guys, it's more of a how far can you hit a contest. Yeah. Right. And that's gonna you know hit make you hit shorter shots in the to holes, and obviously that's gonna you know have a better chance of hitting it close but you know all those guys you just go up and down the range when they first get going i mean it's just perfect like mid-flight wedges all day long perfect spin like, yeah they they just own it <laughs> yes they they we play the same game but they play a different sport <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> um, so this kind of is perfect so um what about just really close to the greens is there um a common error or lesson that you give on like pitching or chipping from from the green green side area yeah um my rule is you know if you can get it on the ground then get it on the ground i think i see most players have a little too much better time uh, and the way i explain it is like you know what are you more likely to hold a chip or a putt like well everyone's going to say a putt because it's, it's true we can make putts you know from crazy distances 
you know, multiple times around sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, maybe not. But <laughs> get it to tap in right here. <laughs> right, exactly. Get it to tap in, do something, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be so much closer, right? So um, you know, it, we can kind of learn how to hit the bump and run shot, maybe even use different clubs in the bag to do it, right? So it's not always gonna be your sandwich or your sixty. You know, it could be an eight iron, it could be a seven iron, I mean it could be a hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. Anything to kind of get that ball on the ground and, and being able to roll out the, the appropriate distance. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's something that I've learned too. Like when I was younger, you always wanted to like hit the giant, you know, flop that, uh, style. yeah, yeah. Uh, fill the thrill, but, uh, yeah. you know, I still want to hit that show, <laughs> yeah. but every now and then it's like, well, that could has, maybe it's the best one chance of going in, but it probably also has the best chance of being bladed across the green. <laughs> right. And, yeah. you know, the other way I explain, you know, I, I stand, you know, 10 feet away or so and I give him a ball and say okay throw this at me and not one person yet has thrown it you know 30 feet in the air and landed it soft in my hand right everyone just kind of throws that little little one and you know, I'm like well why'd you do that it's like well because it was easy well there you go right that's a great analogy I've uh I have not not seen or, or heard that but that would definitely help get your point across again well that's what you get for watching other people like I said I don't come up with much you know it's everyone else's yeah no that's great Okay, we were literally just talking about this before we uh, started recording. So um, the, we were dissecting my own golf game. But the, yeah. uh, the real key to scoring or key component of scoring, I think, is the putter. What's um, a common error or um, swing change, something that you'll, you see with uh, players in putting? Yeah, well, so the, the biggest thing I'll, I'll fix is, again, probably something to do with the setup. Right, okay. so how the player's eyes are positioned over the ball is is huge, right? Because you know, I, I do a little bit of a test and I have a little mirror that that can test it. Um, but if your eyes are really inside the ball, then it, your line looks way more out to the right, right? If your eyes are positioned way over the ball, like to a point where you're on the other side of it, mm-hmm. then your line looks way to the left, and you don't really trust where that ball is aimed or where you're looking at hitting it, right? So I always make sure that, you know, players are, are seeing the right line when they're standing over the ball. Okay. That's uh, that's simple, I think. that's Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that is kind of overlooked because putting really isn't seen as a very athletic movement, right? Like right. hitting it 350 is very athletic, but putting, you're just trying to tap it towards the hole, but there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I think um... – it's, I mean, it's just something that no one wants to practice, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to say no one, but it should be the easiest thing to practice because you can probably <laughs> do it at home, honestly, but right. um, it's not exciting. It's way more fun ripping at 300. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, somebody else I had on said that putting is like, it's like the free throw, like three-foot putts are like the free throw of golf. Like if you can yeah. make, if you can make three-foot putts, then it, it frees you up around the greens. It frees yeah. you up out of the bunkers. Like yeah. it, you know. Now, now your hole on, on all those shots got really big. You're not trying to jar everyone. Yeah, exactly. And I love for players that I coach to be really good from like eight feet in. Right. And so, like eight feet on tour, about is like the fifty fifty mark. So they're going to make about half of them. Okay. So if you can get really good from in there and get up to around that fifty percent or even like fifty one percent, like. Now your 
your target area for chip shots has just grown massively. Right. right? So you're not going to make a hole out of 10, 15 footers, but it's in your favor as a player to hit seven, six footers, right? right. Hopefully. Yes. That would be, yeah. You can definitely shave, uh, shave some strokes off rounds. Yeah. And, and I mean, putting travels, like yeah. the rest of your game is off that day or whatever. Like if you can, if you can still get it in the hole once you're on the green, like I feel like that can make a huge difference in consistency of scoring. Yeah. You made a great point too. It's like, you know, if you're putting it really well that day, your the pressure you feel with wedge shots or iron shots is like gone. Cause like, oh, I'm, I can hit this thing anywhere. It's so freeing. And you end up probably hitting iron shots even better right. when you do that. But it's it's so true that you know putting can can mask a lot of other areas of games. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Okay, so I'm, let's leave the specifics of instruction and talk a little bit more broadly about the golf world. So distance has become an undoubted huge advantage. Um, for some reason, it's also been a controversial topic. Where yeah, sure. Some people think it's, um, you know, holding the game back. Um, now, especially with what Bryson DeChambeau has been doing, it's taken that conversation to the next level. So I'd be curious to hear what your take um, is just on distance kind of broadly um, yeah. and kind of the rage of improving club head speed. Yeah. Um, it That is a, it's a tough question, right? Because it's kind of loaded because you got – in my mind, you have two games within golf. You have, like, the professional game, mm-hmm. and then you have most of the game, right? It's <laughs> yeah, like the rest of the world. <laughs> right, like all of our club golfers, and, you know. So, in my opinion, if you dial back the golf ball or the clubs, you know, I don't really see that as a positive for a lot of amateur players because they rely on that technology to, you know, score better, right? right. To, to have 150 in instead of 170, right? It makes the game a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. For tour players, I, I can kind of see that because golf courses are getting so long that it's, they're hard to maintain. It takes a lot of resources to do it. So, you know, maybe it's a, a thing where, you know, there's there's two different rule books, you know, a professional rule book and a amateur rule book. Now I'm not smart enough to really figure out all the logistics <laughs> of that, but I do right. know, like, you know, growing up playing other sports, you know, in, in basketball, the, the hoop is lower when you're eight than when you're in college, right. right? In baseball for, I mean, still with the American and National League, they play by different rules and they're playing, you know, they're at the same level. Right. right? Or little leaguers don't play on a major league field. You know, right. fences aren't 340. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I, I, I think there can there can be a way to kind of satisfy all, all parties with that, but... I mean, as of now, like on the tour, I don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a totally different game than what the announcers are like, kind of used to seeing, or like how they played the game. But right. I think it's it's a pretty exciting way to play for the spectators. And you know, as far as like Bryson goes, like he did the research, figured out how to make his club go faster so he can hit it farther. Yep. And he did it, which is, you know, what coaches really want all the players to do is to figure out how to get to from point A to point B and get there. And he did it. So, but because he's kind of the scientist guy, he's yeah. kind of viewed as weird, right? But I don't know. I I think he's, he did a, a pretty cool thing for, for himself personally. Obviously, he just won the U.S. Open. So, yeah. he's, I think he's doing all right with it. But, you know, time will tell. I mean, this is just the first year of him really doing it. And we'll see if it has 
you know, some stability to it. Staying power. Yeah. I'd, uh, do you think in amateur players is, is chasing club head speed something that you like work on with, with a, uh, amateur player? <laughs> Again, it kind of depends. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, for, for some players that can, can generate it, then we surely don't take it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some that maybe can't quite generate it and also don't really want to do the necessary things it takes to do it, then we learn to build their game around that. You know, So maybe we get really good at longer irons or fairway woods or something like that right? to kind of mask that. Or we... You know, that kind of goes for everybody. You get really, really good at, you know, hitting wedges from 50, 60, 70 yards, anything under 100, right? Um, but I've, I've surely never had anyone say, hey, can you take 10 yards off my driver? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, like, have a little bit in the tank that they don't know about, and we can kind of get that out of them, you know. But if if that's not really their – their goal and what direction they want to go in, then I'm not going to force it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, from an instructor's perspective, are there are there things that players that really want to try to improve their club head speed that you'll have them work on, or um, either outside of the um, lesson or or even within their golf swing to try to enhance their club head speed? Yeah, uh, mostly with um, junior golfers now, um, because obviously the game is trending longer. So. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll we'll do a lot of work with like super speed golf, uh, yeah. the overspeed training. I, I have had really good results with that. Um, you know, we don't use it really as a warm up as much as we do for like a segment of the lesson. Maybe it's something we end with, mm-hmm. um, and then we hit a couple drivers. Um, but yeah, the, the super speed stuff has been really good. I, I do or I did a clinic, a six week clinic with it, um, and I actually had one of the guys jump off like. 20 miles per hour just because like he just didn't know right he had it he didn't know how to apply it and then right. kind of showed him how to do it um yeah it's it's been kind of fun to kind of see the improvements in that yeah no and no, i it was um it was eye-opening for me we actually um played us because i hit it what i perceived to be relatively long for like an amateur player and sure. um but i played a scramble with a few of the athletes that train with us that are uh, professional baseball players. And, um, you know, one of them hits it a good hundred yards longer than, than me. <laughs> me. I mean, he, I'm hitting it like 260 to 280 and he's like 330 to, he drove a par four that was 377. <laughs> and, uh, but it was like, it, it was just eye opening because it was a scramble. So we play his shot and I was like, Golf would be so much easier if I was a hundred yards closer to every green on every yeah. hole. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's something that I haven't really thought about working on in my own game because I'm like, yeah, compared to most guys I play with, I I hit it. There's a couple guys that hit it farther than me, but in general, I'm I'm in there. But now I'm like, I think I might use the winner to see if I can train a little bit and yeah. and get a you know ten extra yards, get get a little closer to the green. Right, and, and the other side of that too is like, yeah, I mean, I use the super speed stuff but like it does take in my opinion more than that you know going to see guys like you right like you guys know what you're talking about like when I am kind of screening players like I don't like give them exercise I don't mm-hmm. pretend to be the the expert on that side of things you know because I went through the first 
stage of TPI doesn't mean I can magically just speak poetically <laughs> about the internal rotation of your right shoulder. Right? Yes. I mean, I leave that to guys like you. So, you know, it's putting in the work, uh, you know, with some overspeed training, but then it's also learning how to get stronger, more flexible, or in some cases more stable with guys. Yeah, no, I think uh, um, it's definitely a multifactorial uh, yeah. thing. So. 100%. No, that's uh, really interesting. Okay, so then we'll go into the uh, you know the the fun ending here. We always do a little lightning round with just All a right. couple of cool. couple of fun questions to let let people get to know you. So, um, you have a favorite course that you've gotten to play? Oh man, um, Shore Acres, Chicago. Okay, so much fun. I've, I have not played there, but I, you are not the first person that I've talked to that said that that's a course to go play. It's so much fun. I, it's it's almost a tie. Shore Acres and Pinehurst number two. Okay. Very kind of linksy kind of places. I like it in the ball wheel, running it in. Yeah. Stuff like that. But I mean, those two are like the top. I, it's like one A, one B. Okay. Do you have a uh, do you have a course that's on your bucket list that's going to be one that you try to hopefully play one day? Uh, besides Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's definitely up there. Yeah, um, St. Andrews. Okay. Yeah. That uh, I think that one would be just so much history. One that looked really cool on TV was um, that you could actually play was uh, Tiger's new course out in the Ozarks. Oh uh, yeah, Kings Valley. Yeah. That looked on TV at least. That looked like one that I'm gonna add to my uh, add to my list whenever uh, I feel like traveling again. That like island par three thing with the that is so intimidating. I know. <laughs> How the, you know they had four guys at the green I saw on that or whatever and was like man you guys are good at this I mean I'd be so intimidated yeah I think they're gonna have the uh, you're gonna have you know golf ball divers lining up to uh oh, <laughs> golf balls out of that thing okay <laughs> um, do you have either a uh, and I know this is always individual but either a best or a worst golf tip that you commonly hear um, thrown around um I am not a fan of the keep your head down thing <laughs> um, I know it's kind of like. Recently, kind of been going by the wayside, but um, I've seen it like just if I'm like at the range, just you know, practicing, not even at Westmore where I work, but mm-hmm. like just anywhere, right? And I see someone like, oh, you know, you head down, and then poor person still looking at the ground, and the poor, <laughs> poor guys get real twisted up, and I feel bad for them, and yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that one. That's that's a second a second golf pro that we've had on that we've asked that question with the same with the same exact yeah. answer so yeah i mean the the thought behind it's really good and i'm sure it's all like coming from a good place I'm, i just don't 100 percent agree with it i um i think that's that's perfect so last one just a local question um i know you're kind of a milwaukee guy uh favorite milwaukee restaurant that you'll go to oof um yeah, this is going to be kind of weird. I uh, I really like Jack's uh, okay. Brady. Okay. Um, I don't know. Every time I go there, it's like during a big game. So, yeah. like, maybe just associate with that, right? But they have really pretty good food. And hopefully you're not there when it's like shoulder to shoulder and you get a table and you, they have massive TVs. And it's, it's great. That's perfect. I think a good, good sports bar is hard to, hard oh, to beat. Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> All right, Jason, I really appreciate your time today. I'm sure golfers of all ability levels will hopefully be able to take something uh, away from this information today. If people want to, is there anywhere online that they can learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, um, really, I, I'm mostly on Instagram, uh, just at Jason Tipton Golf. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of swings on there and some tips here, here and there. So, yeah. 
See what I'm up to. That's perfect. We'll uh, add that to uh, the show notes so people can find you there. Awesome. Um, thanks again for coming on, and thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.